Hello and welcome to a very, very special edition of the Top Gear magazine podcast. I'm in the BBC studio with Rowan Horncastle, but we're joined on the line by two very, very special guests. We've got Marquez Brownlee and Jason Camisa, and why we've got them along will all be revealed, or if you've actually read the title of the podcast, you'll probably know exactly what's going on here. But I thought, guys... Um, I'll hand over to you to introduce yourselves. How about a little 20-second CV? This is a question I actually usually ask my my guests, but I'll I'll just kick it off. My name is Marquez, a.k.a. MKBHD Online. I review things, um, mostly tech things. Anything with an on button is usually game. I make videos about them online. And so, uh, yeah, if it's, if it's electronic in any way, I'm interested. I am Jason Camisa. I'm an automotive journalist by trade, apparently, although I think a a better title is professional idiot. Um, I test all cars, make videos, and I have one thing in common with Jeremy Clarkson, and that's my initials are JC. Can you say the Clarkson word on BBC? I think there's enough water under the bridge. Yeah, 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 we're we're allowed to mention it. you got to whisper it, (laughs) but you can mention it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So the reason we're here is that... um, us three gentlemen, as far as I know, that's Marquez, Jason and me, are the only three that got to have a go in the Tesla Cybertruck before they had their big handover event at the Gigafactory in Texas um, last night. Well, it was last night, our times, probably afternoon for you. Rowan is here because he hasn't driven the truck, so he's here to ask dumb questions. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to be the comment section, ask everything about the Tesla Cybertruck, because I have not experienced it, but given all your videos that you've you've all witnessed and and tried it it's quite the experience and quite the thing to behold so i want to know more about it and ask the dumb questions and i don't know if we're starting with dumb questions i want to know what the cybertruck is for the guys who don't know can you just quickly jack you explain at first what the cybertruck is to you cybertruck very simply it is just a you know your average cookie cutter kind of no i'm joking it's uh, a pure electric pickup truck um it's made of it's wrapped in stainless steel it's a tesla it's got a ton of power um, and it's caused a yeah, caused a bit of a fuss online. Guys, do you want to help me out? What is the Cybertruck? Yeah, Jason, give me the stats. What is a Cybertruck? I mean, I think it's the embodiment of America. Yeah, um, <laughs> which we probably can't say here. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, it's pickup truck reimagined, unconstrained. Right. This was Elon answering the question of why the pickup truck hasn't evolved in seventy years in terms of how it's constructed or what it looks like. Um, and a clean sheet rethink of what it could be. Um, and apparently a lot of people share Elon's vision about what a pickup truck should look like. Um, and a lot of people are very upset by it. <laughs> so uh, makes for makes for good TV. Marquez, shoot, what's, what's, the, what's the Cybertruck? It is the most interesting vehicle in the world right now. Uh, it is a pickup truck, yes. That's interesting. It is fully electric, yes. That's another thing. It is. It looks like no other vehicle or truck you've ever seen. Uh, it's made of things that it usually isn't made of. It has features and things under the hood that it usually doesn't have. And it's just, it's very different in a lot of ways, but yet still familiar, weirdly. So, uh, yeah, it's a Cybertruck. It's the it's the Cyber Beast as well. So, Marquez, I know you do a, a load of car content now, but, you know, we, as, a, as a car journalist, we come across these types of cars all the time. They're called concept cars. You see them at motor shows, they're made out of, weird stuff they're weird shapes they're provocative and then they're quietly swept under the carpet and forgotten about and then another boring sedan rolls out you know three or four years later but for me this is just this is a concept car 
uh, Elon Musk and the guys at Tesla didn't read the playbook and they just went, yeah, just make that. And it's not, it's not easy to make a concept car real and build hundreds of thousands of them. And that's why it's, I think it's captured everyone's imagination. Would you agree with that? Yeah, at this point, we've all we've all put out our you know our videos about our experiences, and one of the most common YouTube comments that I'm seeing among all of ours is, "Oh, all of these things are different from the original truck. It's so different. It's so different." But the way I'm looking at it, it's it's remarkably close to what they were promising, especially the big picture stuff. Yeah, there's a windshield wiper now. Yeah, the door handles are different. Yeah, the you know the the tailgate doesn't drop down like a ramp anymore. There are things that are missing and the price is very different from what they first announced, but it is still a remarkably interesting ground up version of a pickup truck that I think is is worth appreciating. I think you're right. I think they they kept the spirit of the concept car intact, right? No one's not going to buy it because it has a windshield wiper, right? Let's be honest about that. But what I loved about it is we've all formed our opinions. I did too. We all, I mean, obviously we all did. We saw it on stage and either we liked it or hated it. There was kind of no in between. Um, and then when I got to experience the car, and I'm, I'm sure you guys had the same experience, it is not what I expected. I expected a concept car. I didn't expect groundbreaking technology from start to finish. Um, and so from an engineering perspective, when I, I just completely fell in love with it, regardless of how it looks or what I think about whether it's a better pickup truck from an engineering perspective, the thing is genuinely unlike any other car on the road. Um, and we can go into nerdy details, uh, depending on how much you guys, uh, you guys want to talk about this stuff, but you know, it's, it's everything under the skin is from scratch. Well, why don't we kick off by um, just to give it some sort of structure of like what we actually did with the car? Because the idea with um, Tesla's idea, at least, was to only let the three of us have a go in it, but but to give us kind of different stories and different locations, so we didn't just get videos that look the same. Um, so, so what did you actually, Marquez? What did you actually um, get up to with the truck? Yeah, so I picked it up at the Austin Gigafactory, as I'm sure lots of other people's first impressions of it will be at. And this was maybe nine, 10 in the morning and they gave me the, the walkthrough. I asked all of the questions that I had right off the bat and then they said, all right, go do what you gotta do. Have it back by sunset. I said, okay, well, I'm gonna try to learn as much about this thing as I can between now and then. We drove it around uh, residential streets. It got lots of looks. We drove it on the highway. We did a tiny little bit of, I would call it off-roading only because we were not on a road, but it was still not crazy off-roading but uh, just sort of learning the thing and then uh, basically started just putting together all of my thoughts in a walkthrough on the spot sort of in real time. Um, I will say probably the most interesting thing that we that we realized about it is uh, it, it, it feels familiar, like just driving it, like it's, it's, it's an electric car, it's quiet, it's a Tesla, but the steering was the number one most surprising thing about it. We all knew it looked different. We all knew it had these features, but the steering, which Jason, you did an amazing job explaining in your video, I think is the most interesting thing about the Cybertruck, which I did not expect. So yeah, Jason, you can go for it. It's a steer by wire system, right? So so this is this is un, highly unusual. We've seen it in a couple of um, Japanese cars, I think, but but like it's definitely a Tesla first. It's, it's nearly an industry first. 
there's there's no physical connection between the wheel and the and the front wheels. Yep, Nissan uh, sold his Infiniti in the U.S. Uh, it, it had a steer by wire system in the Q50 back in 2016 or so, 2015. Um, but that had a redundant steering column, um, and so th- when the computer was happy and thought everything was okay, it, it was steer by wire. But then it could clutch back in the steering column. This is the first time I believe any production car has ever been homologated for sale in the U.S. without a physical connection between the steering wheel and front wheels, which is nuts until you think about it. And then you realize that commercial airliners are, are steered by wire and all of our cars are throttled by wire. And, you know, half the cars sold today have Bosch e-boosters, which are effectively brake by wire. So we, Tesla gave me, to answer your other question, Tesla gave me pretty nuts access to this stuff. And I think the way they pulled this off with the three of us was really great because they gave us different access. I'd like to think it's my access to people and my follower account that got me the best access of the three of us because I'm way bigger than Mark has. Ah, dig, dig, dig. Oh, we, we had two weeks with it. I, I had it for a year. It, I, I designed the <laughs> damn thing. No, uh, it's probably a, a local home team advantage. I'm, I'm an hour from, not less than an hour from Fremont. But what Tesla very wisely did was brought me in and I spent an entire day with engineers uh, in meetings. So one after the next, after the next, after the next. And then got, had a big tour around the durability testing lab that they have there. And, you know, I spoke with the aerodynamicists and we just got a really big tour of the car and the, and the engineering facility and the batteries. And then we walked into the crash lab and saw a crash test happen live, which I mean, you want Jason bait? I, I was, I was originally an engineering student. I was going to be a crash test engineer. That's what I wanted to do. So this is the first crash test I'd seen live. And then I drove in a, in a parking lot and on Tesla's, um, test track at Fremont and then went away and wrote the script and then got the, the truck back for two days, one static and one uh, dynamic of filming, which we did at Sonoma Raceway because A, beautiful, B, local, and C, we can close off to people. As Marquez said, you can't go anywhere without a crowd around this car. And so the question became, how do we show what this thing does differently than rather than just speak about it like we're doing now? And so, you know, where the maneuverability and steering is concerned, uh, we put it on a go-kart track. Um, I had Randy Popst behind me in a go-kart and we genuinely went for it. That was everything that Cybertruck had. Uh, we turned stability control off once and had a little bit of a moments, shall we say, a couple of moments, because uh, it, it puts itself in Baja mode, which is 17 inches of ground clearance and uh, didn't want to stay on the ground. Didn't want to roll. I'll give it that. But, um, we, you know, we did that demonstration. We had it on track. We, we hit it with a huge dead blow sledgehammer just to see if the dent proof stuff really worked. So it was, uh, it was, it was pretty comprehensive access. Um, and what I found was that I had to rewrite half the script. And of course we drag raced it. Sorry. That's the other thing we ha- you have to do with a Tesla, um, against a Rivian and a, um, Hummer EV. And it just, humiliated humiliated the other cars i just, i don't understand it it belies its uh horsepower number but cool well i'm gonna get um i'm gonna get i'm gonna get straight on the phone to tesla uh and uh give them complain because you definitely got more time than us but no it was a it was a different different type of access so we uh we traveled over to the la design studio and our kind of usp was getting access to, to france and uh lars so france the design chief 
uh, Lars, the engineering chief, and we had proper time with them to, to sit down in the design studio. We had the uh, we had the original clay, we had the alpha prototype, we had the body in white, and we had the production truck. And just to basically deep dive and learn absolutely everything um, we could about the truck, and then we um, we we took it to the people. That's what we did because this you you mentioned there, Jason, with the the, the reaction to this truck is like. I think I described it as it's like Taylor Swift on a unicycle wearing a Lady Gaga's meat suit. Like wherever you go, people are just drawn to it. They're just going absolutely nuts. So we went down to Hermosa Beach because it's near their um, near their design studio. Literally just parked it up and let people just crawl all over it. And actually, there's quite a lot on social media saying, "Hey, Top Gear's Top Gear's making a film with the Cybertruck." Because we went we went very subtle. It was all over everywhere, but but great reactions. So we had one guy coming over. He was literally, so he was a barman, like in the bar next to us. He ran over and he was like genuinely like having palpitations. He <laughs> he couldn't breathe. He was like, uh, and he says, "My boss told me I couldn't come over, but I just told him where he could stick it because I've got to come and see this thing." And then he starts polishing it with this like rag that he's got in his pocket. And then you got this other guy who's. Um, and then you get this other guy who I was like, hey, what do you think? He's like, no, nah, never see the light of day. Nope. I'm like, but but it's this is this is the production truck. You know, this is they're delivering it in two weeks time. And he's like, no, nope, don't believe it. No, nah, never going to make production. And I'm like, OK, so even when presented with the production car, people still can't believe it's real. There's this other guy who's going to his friend. Oh, it's a movie car. And uh, there's a Tesla engineer standing next to him going, uh, actually, no, it's not a movie car. You can buy one. And he's like, looks to his friend. And he's like, nah, it's a movie car. Just, But also, at the same time you guys were set to film and stuff, because I knew you were away doing it, there was all the stuff going viral on Twitter of the panel gaps. It's struggling up, uh, you know, a off-road course. What were your thoughts when you first saw the truck and now you've driven it? Like, what could we say to, you know, all the people in the bonfire that was online at the time? Build quality. Do you want to focus on? Build yeah, let's quality? go to build quality. Jack, you first. Oh, well, I'll go for. I, I think yeah, they obviously tightened up the tolerances quite a bit. You know, it, it, clearly, if you're going to give a car to media, you're going to make sure it's a good one. But you know, th this is the crazy thing about the Cybertruck. It's basically a celebrity. So every picture of a prototype was getting kind of twisted and analysed to such a degree. But it's a you know, it's a test car. They don't. The panels don't need to be perfect on it. They're much better on the on the real thing. And actually, what I learned was the panels, the way the panels are attached, the way they work, the way they're bent, the way they do their job is totally different to any other just regular car panels, steel, mild steel panels on a car. And so they do meet differently, and they look differently, and you have exposed edges, and 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 that does lend itself to look. Like there are bigger gaps than there are, but it's just how they're attached. What do you guys think? Oh, I cut myself pretty severely on yeah. on the truck. Yeah. Did you slice your fingers off? Yeah, I cut my arm and ripped. A, we, a bunch of us uh, had our sweaters cut. But it, at the end of the day, the Model Y is the best-selling car on the planet. And it has terrible fit and finish. And I shouldn't say terrible. Subpar fit and finish and big panel and uneven panel gaps. The consumers just don't care and i love that the uh, <laughs> i gotta praise the praise the look for marquez marquez, it, marquez looks just, to the skies oh i just wish everyone look i get it i get it it's fun to make fun of i mean I've, a good friend of mine had a tesla model 3 with a panel gaps license plate you know just to, just to mess <laughs> with everyone 
but it's really not relevant when you when you understand how many different things Tesla invented in in producing this car. The last thing anyone is going to care about is an uneven panel gap. However, wear protective clothing because <laughs> it's sharp. Marquez, you live in uh, Twitter and in the digital world and deal with the spiky end of the tech industry and Tesla fans more than anyone else. What did you think going into it? And were you ready for war? I was ready to be uh, underwhelmed, but I, I went into it trying to keep a totally open mind. And I think, Jason, what you're saying about panel gaps is so true. And I've said that I've gotten like flamed online for this take, but it's it's real. Most the most com the easiest way to hate on something that you weren't going to buy anyway is to just complain about it in a comment section. Uh, and the panel gaps are an easy target. But I also don't think that most people who genuinely do care about panel gaps were going to buy something like this anyway. I think people who compare the the tiny things about materials and fit and finish are comparing it to their other $100,000 vehicles where a lot of people aspire to a Tesla or Model Y or a Cybertruck have never used a $100,000 vehicle. And the other things about this truck that are innovative and interesting are the reason why they're getting it. And they will happily accept slight differences in fit and finish. I did notice the front was kind of sharp. I poked it with my finger. It was surprisingly sharp. There really aren't very many curves on the thing. Um, but yeah, I, I found it built well. It was the one truck that I drove. I saw a couple others. They were built fine. It's built like a Tesla. I was, I was pulling on the, the, the upholstery. It was a little bit loose. That's just the way they are at this point. That's, that's, you know, if you're not willing to deal with that, then don't buy it. But, uh, yeah, there are a lot of things about this truck that are way more interesting <laughs> to me anyway, than the distance between some of the pointy stainless steel bits. Well, I know. Let, well, let's hit on that straight away. What are the interesting bits? Let's take it elsewhere. And uh, yeah, what what grabbed you straight away? Okay, so the steering, obviously, that's like top of my list. I was most surprised by it, and I found it really fun to try to get used to it in the couple hours that I was using it. Um, also, the hilarious acceleration. It doesn't really feel like it makes any sense. I'm used to very fast vehicles. I wasn't expecting to be surprised by the acceleration of what's basically a dump truck. Uh, so shout out to that. Um, and then a bunch of the other, the electronic bits, the, the, the fact that they surprised us with the 800 volt architecture and they surprised us with the, the bi-directional charging and 11 kilowatt, you know, potentially backing up your entire house with the truck. Uh, they surprised us with a lot of these little things. The UI seemed very smooth. I didn't get an answer cause I forgot to ask, but it felt like the screen was running at over 60 Hertz, which would be a first for what I've seen in in-car entertainment systems. It was very, very smooth. Um, I stood on the tonneau cover. They told me it could support a lot more weight than just me. So the thing is like a vault. It's very safe. It's great. I mean, a lot of the things that people buy something like an R1T or an F-150 Lightning for, this is going to be just as good at those things. Can I just pick you up on the steering though? Because I, I totally agree. I think... Um... I think that their thinking behind the steering is like is spot on. So traditional trucks, uh, you know, quite ponderous steering, lots of slack around the sort of dead ahead. And they've gone, let's just remove all of that. You don't have to take your hands off the wheel, 170 degrees in each direction. We'll make it super direct, four-wheel steering, kind of tightens up the, the turning circle. And I get, if you want to make a, a, a truck very unlike other trucks, 
this is a great way to go about it. And also it's Tesla. So a steer by wire system is like a great tech story for them for them to tell. And there's other benefits as well. I just felt at a low speed, it was like you talked about trying to get to you trying to get used to it, Marcus. I could I we had two days. I couldn't get used to it. I it was too pointy, it was too alert, it just felt um uh, yeah, it, it just just too sort of flighty, if you like. Uh, yeah, darty at low speeds. I just wanted it to chill out, and also there was there wasn't you couldn't change the setting because you've got this sort of uh, continuously variable ratio thing going on, which means the computer decides how fast you're going, how how sharp the turn is, and how much ratio to give you. When when we when we got a bit quicker. And we went up into the canyon roads and stuff. It really relaxed and I really liked it. It was just, it felt really natural. You could sort of carve about in the corners. But at low speeds, I was like, ah, I just calmed down. And obviously the engineers, um, they said, oh, well, that's just the initial steering tune. We'll, we'll, we'll flash it over the air and we'll give you like options later. Dan. And I suppose, you know, we'll see basically. So interestingly enough, I drove two different Cybertrucks uh, with two different state of tune and states of tune. And the first one was at Fremont, and it was way too gainy. Um, so the system can, you know, just for for those who haven't driven the car, because there's no connection between the steering wheel, it's just got a bunch of sensors in it, and the and the front and rear wheels. The computer looks at your input and then decides how much steering to give you. So there, everything is software tuning at that point. And so you're at six to one steering ratio at lower speeds, four or three to one at the very, at the very limits, or, and then 16 to one ish at the, um, at normal speed. So it's quick steering even at normal speeds, but it's uh, uh, something we've never seen before at parking lot speeds. And the first one I drove was just way too much. I just kept darting everywhere and couldn't figure out how to get the thing in a spot. They did reflash it based on some of the feedback that they had gotten, and it was much better the second one that I drove. The crazy thing to me is I lapped that thing around a racetrack for the better part of a day just in filming. This was not a, about um, really sliding it around. And it wound up being perfectly intuitive at those speeds. And then at low speeds, I thought, yeah, it's a little bit too gainy. And then I got into a Rivian <laughs> and I went to go back out of the parking spot and I was like, <laughs> like it's four turns lock to lock. And, and then the lightning was even worse. And I thought, okay, there is a happy medium. I think they might be on the aggressive side at low speeds. But the reality is there should be a very easy slider that they can make. They're like, I want super fast steering. I want super slow steering um, because it's software. And hopefully they will do that. Yeah, because to me, not driving it, from what you explained, Jack, it sounded like the worst part of a super fast you know, Ferrari rack, as well as the old Lamborghini variable steering as well, which none of us got on with at the same time. So, uh, but it's but it's different to a super sports car, which is trying to give you feel and feedback. This is just trying to make a big three ton plus truck fit like super maneuverable at low speeds. So I like what they're trying to achieve. Um, actually, I didn't have, I, I wasn't driving a Rivian and an F-150 Lightning back to back, but that would have been really interesting. Let me tell you on the go-kart course though, the, the guy who is responsible for the go-kart course is like, you are never going to make it around that track. There's no way, no how, no. He was adamant. There was no chance. And at the end of the, the pit out, there's about 120 degree hairpin right to get on the track. And he's like, that's going to be a 12 point turn. You're going to have to do it at walking speed. And I said, okay. And then lit up all four wheels, left the pit and then slid it right through there. Never even made it to full lock. And his, the guy's eyes were like, what the? 
did I just say, oh my, like it, it is genuinely, the maneuverability from it is something that I wouldn't have expected actually would work. But you're right. I mean, there's a, you know, there's always optimization to be had in tuning. Yeah. And that the big part of that as well is the, the fact that it's this monocoque, right? So you've got the steel monocoque with the, with the panels bolted on the outside. So with traditional trucks, you hit a bump, you get this big like wobble, uh, wobble and shudder through the whole thing. And then, uh, yeah. But here it's just super stiff. You just don't get that. It feels like a car when you when you turn in and you you got some speed. Does this also make the yoke a bit more usable? I assume it's got a yoke. Oh no, it's a it's a squircle. Ah, yeah. How'd you get on with the squircle? I thought it was fine. I I like I was I drove the F one fifty Lightning to the the studio, so I did the back to back as well, and I. I just have this muscle memory of like, oh, I'm about to make this big turn. Let me just grab the top of the wheel and get ready to do like hand over hand. You simply do not have to do that at all in this car. So your hand, your hands are on the side the entire time. Uh, so it is a full wheel if you really want to. But I never grabbed the top of the wheel. I was just I was just end to end like this. So it it was easier to do. Yeah, we had a couple turnaround moments because we were, we were shooting the trucks back to back. And it was like six point turn for the f-150 and then just full locks swivel it around on the on the cyber truck and i was like all right this makes sense this is good cool so what i want to know is uh, obviously we are british uh pickup trucks are kind of a thing over here but obviously nothing like they are in america and and the big question i, I was trying to answer you know is it a truck are people does it do the trucky things tesla are very keen to tell us it'll it'll tow five tons it's got this like it's got a bigger bed than an F-150. You know, it seems to tickle these boxes. But is anyone ever, is anyone actually going to use it like a pickup truck? Okay, great question. So here's a dirty little secret about pickup trucks in the US is most people <laughs> don't actually use them like pickup trucks. Shocker. I know. They kind of just drive them Stop around. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. So in that sense, the Cybertruck is very much uh, one of the most exciting vehicles that happens to be a pickup truck that you can get. Um, however, you will see, of course, lots of commentary online about the pickup truck specific features, of which it does have a few. You saw the outlets in the trunk. It's got two 110s and a 240. It's got this nice thick liner. It's got sub trunk space. It's got all these, you know, lockdown systems. But I think the the small percent of people who actually do tow things and haul things with their pickup truck are concerned about range. And so there's this funny little option that showed up on, on Tesla's website that they told us about, which is a range extender. So you might remember the original presentation promised like 500 plus miles of range on the biggest, baddest version of the Cybertruck. Turns out it's about 300 miles, which is right in line with every other EV pickup truck, but turns out those struggle with towing a lot of things for long distances. And so this option is just basically a large battery pack that gets added to the Cybertruck. It fits in the, in the truck bed, connects to the systems, and adds about 120 miles of range, of course, unloaded. If you're going to tow, maybe that's what you need to make it a reasonable truck for towing. But I, I think my take is Tesla realizes most people don't need all of that extra weight and all that extra battery. Driving dynamics are going to be sacrificed. So most people are totally cool driving it like a normal car. That happens to be a pickup truck. And if you do actually need to do that hauling stuff, there's that interesting little option. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's a 50, I think it's a 50 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, it's, uh, I think they said it's essentially the, from a standard range Model 3, it's kind of the same size battery that will just bolt in the back and give you that extra range. But I just, yeah, I was just, I just thought it was hilarious that one of the things they told me was that it takes like a, a certain size sheet of plywood, which is like a big thing for pickup owners. Oh, and there's enough power here that you can weld. I was like, is anyone welding on the back of the <laughs> Cybertruck? Is anyone carrying plywood around? But also, that- yeah, Jason, you know the market better than us in the US. Who is going to buy the Cybertruck? Oh, Lamborghini buyers. I mean, first and foremost, this is like the, the best <laughs> daily driver. If you have a Huracan and you need something to just assault your neighborhood in, it's this. But but we we have the same discussion about like, will is this just really about its image and is the functionality and inherent engineering in there just useless? But the reality is when you start thinking about like, okay, could I take this to a construction site, right? So for example, that four by eight sheet of plywood that can fit in the back, that is an important measure because that's the standard uh, size for drywall and other building materials that we have. Um, so my minivan can fit a four by eight sheet of plywood and that's a design brief that's built into all pickup trucks and everything else. But you start thinking about taking this to a construction site and you think, well, construction sites are are difficult to maneuver. There's there's kind of a lot going on always. And aside from the fact that you can't really see all that much out of the to the Cybertruck, the maneuverability and the dent proofness and all the storage and the power um, available at the back plus the lock truly lockable bed makes me wonder. Like I'm really curious to see this, but I think some pros will actually use it on in construction gigs. Like all pickup trucks, the vast majority of people are going to use it to take their kids to school and then go to the grocery store because America's weird. Yeah. Although I, I reckon if you're, a, if you're a foreman at a building site and you rock up in the new tri-motor Cybertruck, you know, your employees are not going to like you. It's a bit, bit show-off, I, I think. There will be a mutiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't matter if they throw their, to- uh, their tools at it. It's not going to dent it, right? What was the, what was the result of... Did you kick it? I know, Jason, that you smashed a hammer against it, but like, is it is that a gimmick or is that something that we actually need on all cars? I mean, the whole bulletproof thing is kind of a gimmick because what's the point in having bulletproof steel when you have don't have bulletproof glass, right? I think the bulletproofness of it was a, was a side effect and, and not really the primary reason for doing that. Um, but there is... And we wailed on that thing as hard as we could with a hammer. And so I had asked Tesla if we could shoot it, and they said yes. Um, and so we were get we got guns. We had a marksman coming, and we had but it wound up being an insurance issue. The, but the track allowed, like, the track agreed to let us shoot the thing. I mean, it was insane, uh, and it all fell apart at the end. And I said, "Look, can we just at least hit it with a sledgehammer?" And Tesla's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure, okay." And I said, "Well, how big of a sledgehammer can we use?" Because to be honest, I don't want to dent the damn thing. I like, I don't want to repeat performance of what happened four years ago. And they said, oh, we'll just give you a, a we'll supply you a, with the hammer. And I thought, oh, Christ, it's going to be this big. Um, it's going to weigh as much as a piece of paper. Yeah, made of foam. And, yeah, and we're just going to go dink and ruin it. It was a sand-filled dead blow hammer that we at, railed on that thing as hard as we could. And we did scuff it a little bit. And if you looked right at, on the hardest hit that we got, which was just at the corner of the, of the leading edge of the hammer, we made a tiny little ripple. But I mean, that hit would have ripped a door panel of any other car in half. It was a full swing hit. It was unbelievable. I mean, it's not really a gimmick. So 
you know, for someone who hates parking my cars in the city because of all the door dings and other stuff I get, that's a benefit. Yeah, this is the first, your first vehicle I would happily park in a city. Yeah. I'll, I'll Good say luck. That. Try. <laughs> so hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on. So uh, uh, Joe Rogan got a, got a crossbow. You got a dead blow hammer. Marquez, what do they give you? Rocket launcher? An iPhone. <laughs> no, I I got a day with it, and I was uh, I was just driving it around. I, hap- I I was like, look, this isn't my review. I'm not gonna try to destroy it now. But when I do get one for a while, I will definitely try some stuff. I also do think like probably shooting something on YouTube is like kind of tough for the YouTube algorithm to adjust for. So you're thinking about just hitting it with stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. But it, I I will have it for longer. My worry is what our owner's going to do. Yeah, there will well there will be YouTubers who do crazier things. Yeah, wow. So Marquez, big question for you: You put a deposit down in 2019, is that right? right? Yeah. I mean, you're still waiting for your roadster as well. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to stick with it? You going to buy so, one? So the the philosophy behind it was we we're actually going to use it as a work truck, and this is why I have a Rivian R1T now. Is when we go shoot car videos and we have our little rig which is built onto a tow hitch and we like control it remotely from the inside of the truck we're driving around trying to keep it low-key and the rivian turns out is perfect for that um so the thought behind the rivian well actually we ordered the cybertruck first and then the rivian turned out to be shipping earlier so we just switched and got the rivian but the question for me is will this be a better work truck than the rivian and i'm not so sure I think it's kind of a combo of highs and lows. The the highs being it's more maneuverable, it's faster, and it's bigger, so we can fit more stuff in the back and get tripods in there and all that sort of stuff. But the downside is it is more high key and very visible. And we drive that Rivian tow hitch rig past like groups of people on suburban sidewalks, and they don't even blink at it. They don't even look at it. But uh, I don't know if I'll be able to do that with a Cybertruck rig. So Maybe in time. Yeah, I wonder how long... Um... Because we were talking about the design, you know, right now it's just this magnet of attention. Is that going to wear off? You know, when there's 100,000 of these on the road, are people just going to chill out and accept it as part of the landscape? And what are we going to think in five years' time? In five years' time, are we going to look at this and go, oh, man, what, what's that thing? Or is it, is it going to look crazy until the end of time? I mean, for those of us old enough to have been around for some other pretty impressively new looking cars, I, I remember Audi R8. I, I got run off the road every 48 seconds driving that car because it just looked like a spaceship. And now it looks entirely conventional. And now, I mean, it, let me not compare an R8 to the Cybertruck in terms of look wow factor, but every time we've seen cars from an R8 to a new Civic that was nuts to everything else, it just becomes normal. Uh, I think we'll always look at this as not a triumph of automotive design. I don't think it's particularly pretty, um, but I think it'll just become so commonplace. If Tesla's production is ramped up to the point where we do see them all over, we'll, we'll be so used to it that we won't notice it any more than we notice a, a bangle butt 7 Series which was far hideous, far more ugly. Yeah. And I mean, Tesla's appeal to this kind of tech audience, this kind of younger kind of tech lovers, Marcus, do you think, um, do you think the Cybertruck will still do that? It's kind of the, as, as Jason said, the Lamborghini for a new generation, the Countach. Yeah. It, you know, it does still feel like, and especially because the price is still high, it does kind of feel aspirational for a lot of people. Like I remember when it first got announced, when they started racking up all these tons and tons of pre-orders, when you get that much interest in it, 
some fraction of those people, it's their first time ever buying an electric car. It's their first time ever buying a Tesla. And for a lot of them, it's their first time ever buying a truck. Uh, and this was also true about F-150 Lightning. So I think it it gathers lots of interest from new people who originally weren't interested and they just saw it and were like attracted to it. I think that's true about the Cybertruck. I think that's still going to be true for people into tech. It's still expensive. It's still aspirational. It's just uh, way more interesting now that we actually know what it's about. Yeah. Well, look, guys, um, we'll leave it there. That's been absolutely fascinating. I think we agreed on some things, disagreed on others, but I think we can all agree that it's 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 testament to the engineers and designers who actually got this thing through to production when Elon Musk came in and said, yeah, let's just build that in in 2019 and they went okay let's uh, let's figure this one out and they have figured it out which which i was i was kind of blown away by wait hold on i'm saying so is this a success like is the cyber truck a success yeah, as a project do you think jason give us your thoughts on it final thoughts yeah i mean w- taking my own personal opinion out of this and i think that's my job as an as an, a journalist right not doesn't matter whether i like it or not it you had it's something that captured the world's attention on a stage that a million people plunked down their own money for a pre-order. And then and all Tesla had to do was get that thing out the door and they would have sold a bunch of them, but instead reinvented how a pickup truck is con- or a vehicle is constructed from the aluminum extrusions to the, or the castings, I'm sorry, to the structural battery pack to the exoskeleton completely redid the way the the internal vehicle architecture is with the first ever fully 48 volt system, completely reinvented steering with drive-by wire and completely reinvented. There's another thing. I don't even remember. I've lost. They completely redefined how a truck needed to be built. Um, and then smashed the zero to 60 record, the quarter mile record, the efficiency record, and all the rest of the stuff. I think it has to be seen as a, an engineering triumph. And when you have this much interest in something, it's already it's already a success. Um, even if Elon lately has been making it pretty difficult to be on board. Yeah, plus one to all of that. And there's also uh, the the whole background of just how many times we see a prototype car or like a one-off EV model that just gets built, which is the easy thing to do, and that never makes it to the point that we're at now, which is spinning up actual production and starting to ship the thing. So just getting to the end of that line and starting to ship them, I think, makes it some level of a success. And now we'll just see how far we get from here. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all of that. And actually, I, 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 in the feature I wrote for the magazine, I was just straight up. I said, look, I love the way it looks. I love the fact that it makes people angry. But I just, I just think it looks so different. It takes design convention, just tears it up, throws it out the window, wheeze on the ashes, sets fire to it. It's, um, you know, it just doesn't care. It just doesn't care what you think. It just does something completely different. And I do like that about it. The only caveat is they've got it out the door. They delivered 15 trucks yesterday or, or, or however many it was. You know, next big challenge. Um, I think Elon on the Joe Rogan podcast was talking about manufacturing. He was like, just building one car or a handful of them is easy. Building uh, 200, 250,000 a year. Like you don't, he said 10,000 processes. Only one of them has to go wrong and, and then you gotta, you know, you gotta fix it. So I think they've got a, a long road, a long ramp up road, but he said that they should be there by 2025. We'll see. But look, to even get to this point is a, is a hell of a, 
hell of an achievement. Well, I'm just annoyed you've all driven it. Uh, and I have to say, well done, everybody, and all your content creation and making. I know it was never easy, but I've got a whole weekend of Cybertruck. Yeah, uh, hands up. I haven't, actually, I haven't actually watched either of your videos yet. Not because I don't want to, but because we woke up, came in, we've been podcasting all day, and I just haven't had a chance. So I'm going to go and get a cup of tea, put my feet up, and um, yeah. I'll send you send you marks out of ten. Enjoy. We'll do the same. Thanks for joining. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for having us. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Chet says, subscribe. <laughs>